0: and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome to another episode of Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and today we are speaking with Laura Foulkes. For over six years, Laura has been transforming people's relationships with food. Her own journey- Uh, towards experiencing a truce with food and 60-pound weight loss led her to become a certified holistic health coach, ensuring her clients don't feel deprived so the journey is sustainable. Laura has supported over 75 clients who know what they should be eating, but have a hard time sticking to it by helping them identify the familiar patterns, keeping them stuck. Together, they get to the bottom of why they self-sabotage and fall off track so they can eat for nourishment instead of for other reasons. Laura, thank you so much for setting aside time for this conversation today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for it.
0: Well, I love this bio because it, it it represents, once again, that so many uh, entrepreneurs who launch a business, launch a business solving a problem that they've experienced themselves. And this bio says that's exactly the path that you took.
1: Yes, totally. I know I find that when I meet with more and more entrepreneurs too, I kind of feel like their business found them as opposed to them finding their business. Although they are still open to these possibilities and creating something. But yeah, if I hadn't gone through that journey, I'd probably still be working in advertising and corporate. Okay. Not doing my own thing. Right. I love that. So bring us
0: back to your journey. It sounds like you're working corporate, working in advertising, and um, a journey starts for you. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. My journey actually started probably at the age of 12 when I really started struggling with my weight. And I didn't realize, obviously, at the time that it was a journey. Like It felt like it was my life and it was a struggle. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really struggled with my weight from the age of 12, went to my first weight loss program at 13, tried all diets, would lose weight, gain it all back plus more. And I hit a point in 2001, probably where I was really burned out from working at having to work at it because it just felt like it was such hard work and was something that I was constantly thinking about and working on. And So I I ended up starting... I went through about 5 years and 3 different approaches to lose weight. And I ended up losing 60 pounds in 2008 is when the last of it came off. And that's when I was starting to... About a year or two after that is when I was starting to re-explore and rethink about what I wanted to do career-wise too. Because I realized that Even though I was really passionate about advertising for a while, I was losing my passion for the job and career and just was getting burnt out from the amount of hours and the time that that I needed to spend doing that and felt like work was basically my life because I was working like 60 hours a week. So um, after I lost the 60 pounds, or as I was going through my weight loss journey, people were coming to me asking me for guidance and advice as I they were going through their journeys too. And I really was passionate about that and really enjoyed doing like talking to people about it. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to do next, that memory kept coming up for me. And it was, it took me about four years to figure out what I wanted to do. But when I learned about health coaching from a friend in 2013, I was like, Oh, okay. This is it. This is what I want to do. Because I want to help people on their health and wellness journeys, but I didn't want to go back to school to become Mm -hmm. a nutritionist or dietitian, spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to, and three years to get another degree. Um, So learned about health coaching, decided to do that and started getting my certification. And what was interesting is as I was getting my certification, I thought that I would become even healthier and would lose more weight than I had already lost. But what ended up happening is I actually started putting some weight back on and I was really confused because I was like, okay, now I have more information than I've ever had in my life. And yet I'm still sabotaging myself. I'm still consumed by the thought of food and I'm still not doing what I know I should be doing and I was confused between that. I was like, there's a disconnect between knowing and wanting, but not actually following through with it. So ended up connecting with my health coach at that point and really working with her more on business stuff, but learned about her program, Truce with Food, as I was working with her and talking to her about other stuff. ended up going through that program, Truce with Food. And that's when things really shifted for me because that's when I realized... Wow, okay. Yes, there is the food piece that's really important, obviously. And the reason why we're eating is equally, if not more important, too, because there were so many reasons that I was falling off track, self sabotaging without even realizing it. So that was really game changing. And that's when I realized that this is what I needed to do because it was so, it really changed and impacted my relationship with food that. And not many people do um, this type of work. And so that's when I, I realized that this is what I really was meant to do to help my clients work through their relationship with food and really understand why they turn to food when they don't necessarily want to. Got it. So let me see if I understand the
0: path here. So you you tried several things to lose weight from an early age through adulthood, and then you find a, a strategy that works for you. And you lost the 60 pounds. And now you're thinking about how do I help other people do this? Am I following? Right? Because other yeah, I people are coming to it come was,
1: you. It was, yeah. It was people were asking me for advice and guidance, but never thought about. I was still working in advertising, still passionate about it. But it was as I was losing my passion. That's what I was like, what do I want to do next? And, oh, I really enjoyed these people, like working with my friends and family and colleagues. Right. So
0: it sounds like you were working with someone uh, in this Truth For Food, which was not, let me say, let me back up, because you you were saying something about you're, you're going into this, you now are committed, like, this is what I want to help other people. This is the problem I want to help other people solve, Right. And so you're going through this training or you're setting up your business and you find that instead of losing weight, you're gaining weight. Tell me a little bit about that expectation, why you thought you would be losing weight at that point.
1: At that point, I just thought that having more information would give me the success, basically, even though I was still within, I wasn't far off of my goal weight. But what I didn't realize then is it wasn't really about the weight, like, even you know a lot of times people will think like once I arrive at my at my goal weight things will be different life will change and I was close to my goal weight if not at it and yet I still wanted to lose more because I hadn't really arrived where I thought that I was going to in terms of how I felt about myself or how I felt in my body Mm -hmm. and so I was still striving to lose more but then as I had more information with um with food and health and everything it didn't impact like it didn't i didn't change like i thought i was going to kind of like in the way that my habits and my behaviors and stuff um i would have thought would have followed and they didn't I think- and i and i was confused as to why that ha- that was the case okay
0: so was the The act of building your business a part or a variable that was influencing your ability to be satisfied, is that the word I'm looking for? Satisfied with who you are as a person in your
1: body? Yeah, what was interesting is as I was getting... I think looking back, part of the reason, even though I had more information... Um, with getting my certification, it was a big transition. I was leaving a career that I... Or starting to think about shifting out of a career Mm -hmm. that I was really confident and comfortable in and moving into a brand new industry that I knew nothing about, as well as I'm still figuring out my own stuff, right? Like, I'm still figuring out my relationship with food and what is it that I want to even do in this new role and so I didn't realize that it was all connected at that time. Um, but now I definitely know that and starting the, biz- starting my business and like transitioning from working in advertising to this new industry, a t- new type of role, still figuring out who I am, how I am around food, what it is that I really want to help people with that definitely had an impact on my body image, on my eating because it was very vulnerable. It was very, so much uncertainty that was coming up because I had no idea whether I was going to make this and be able to make it into a sustainable business and make a living off of it. And when I was going to leave advertising, what I was going to do next, what if I wanted to go into private practice, I mean, there were so many unknowns and that can be really triggering to eat and to end up turning to food because there's safety in food. And also there was safety for me in my body in terms of anytime that I felt like there was a new level of uncertainty, uncertainty or vulnerability. Those were times that I would end up focusing on my body more of like, Oh my God, I need to lose weight. I need to lose this weight immediately. And what can I do next? And it was like almost a crisis mode. And what I What I figured out and realized is that that would come up whenever there was a new level of uncertainty uncertainty or vulnerability, because I felt like I didn't have control over what was coming. And the one thing that I could quote unquote control was my body because I'm the one that's controlling what I'm eating, even though I wasn't actually controlling it, that felt like there was safety in focusing on my body and my weight. That's
0: a lot to learn. Learning, uh, learning to manage your own self, learning to learn the skills to help other people, and then learning the skills of how do I set this up in a business construct so that I can deliver these services to other people.
1: Yes, That's and so it is a lot, and 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 as an entrepreneur, like it's kind of spiritual boot camp. Like we learn so much about ourselves, and I never realized. Going into entrepreneurship, how much I was going to learn about myself and how much self development <laughs> was going to be involved in it.
0: Right. I, I would agree with that. I never saw that coming either. Now, being in it and even looking back at where I've been, of course, it's going to be a spiritual boot camp. Right. Because I think that, you know, I, I guess when we're looking at challenges, and I'll look at my own challenges there's that underlying sense of, well, I shouldn't be challenged by this, right? I should should know how to do this. Yep. And um, that gap between what I know and what I don't know, and, and the results that that's getting, that weighs on you as well, right?
1: Yeah, because a lot of times we don't like to be beginners at anything. Like, no. we want to be seen as the expert. And It's the meaning that we're making of being a beginner, right? Because a lot of times we're striving for perfection or striving to be the best that we can be. But as an entrepreneur too, when you're first starting out, you don't know what you don't know. And that can be really uncomfortable to be in that land of like, that's where there's so much uncertainty and vulnerability. And it's like, what do we do with that? And that's when I find for my clients, that's when they turn to food because they don't want to sit with that discomfort. And also if there's points where they're feeling like they're failing or feeling like they might be exposed or misunderstood, those are times where they will end up turning to food and eating um, because they don't want to feel those feelings. And it does feel like it's, there's some, it's a form. It can be like a reward too, for getting through and doing hard things. Right. Exactly. So when you were, uh, so again, you
0: have a lot to learn. You're learning about yourself. You're learning about the skills of how to coach others around these same issues, applying it to yourself. And then you have to learn the business side. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part for you to learn in those three categories?
1: Who I think. um, It's. Very... It's a really good question because there's so there was so much to learn. And I mean, the business side is hard. I actually... One of the hardest things, which is really funny for me is... One of the hardest things for me was marketing. And it was... A lot of people would say to me like, Oh, marketing must be really easy for you coming from advertising after working in advertising for 13 years. But it was really hard for me. And if you think about... And I... Looking back, I understand why there was a few things. One is because working in advertising in big agencies, I had a large group of people where I could work in a team environment. I had experts in all different areas that I could tap into, and I was working with $14 million budgets on established brands. Right. Now, as an entrepreneur, I have a dollar to spend. <laughs> I am the brand. I'm not established. And I'm not an expert in all of the areas. So when people would say to me, like, where's your target market? I'm like, I don't know. I need all the data. Like, I need to get the media team to pull it for me. And I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have a media team. (laughs) So that was really challenging, knowing going from like having a team to having to do it all on my own with no money. I'm the brand. And Mm -hmm. as part of that, I think part of the The other big piece of that is that self-development, or like that learning about myself in the process, too, and really realizing that for me, when we look at some big driving forces of what leads us to eat out of alignment with our goals, there's a story that comes into play. And for me, my story after being bullied when I was in middle school was about not wanting to be misunderstood because there was a risk that I would be seen as a failure and be rejected and end up alone. So there was a lot at emotional risk there. Being an entrepreneur, going out there, putting yourself out there, having to be the face of the brand, having to put yourself out on social media, it's very vulnerable. There's yes. so much risk of being misunderstood. That it would, I would get into almost like an analysis paralysis with my marketing of what should I say? What do I say? Like I want it to be perfect so that I'm not misunderstood. So then I was over-explaining things, right. which it would just take so much longer and be so much harder than it needed to be. But it was because I I felt like everything that I put out there was going to be make or break for my business without having the full context of understanding that. Things build over time. Not everybody's seeing every message that you're putting out there. And even if somebody does misunderstand an aspect of something that I say, that's okay. Maybe they're not the ideal client and not everybody has to get everything I'm saying all the time. So that's a long answer to your question. But yeah, marketing was actually one of the hardest parts for me.
0: I, and I love it that you are describing this because I think that what your story describes my story and so many other entrepreneurs that I've spoken to. So I really appreciate you being willing to share that. And as you were describing that, I was starting to think about these three categories: right, your own personal development. How do I build my skill sets, and then how do I build um, business? What that's a whole nother knowledge and skill set. Yeah, and so I saw it kind of coming together almost like a triangle with your brand as the top of the triangle. And the, the leg, uh, is one leg of that is growing yourself, right? Learning Mm -hmm. about yourself and keeping yourself in the game while you learn the, the business side and the skill side of delivering the services that you're saying, I'm an expert in, I can do this. It all comes to that brand piece and, um, to, I, I don't know. For me, that's just a really good visual to see how these pieces fit together, because I think we all really do fight, struggle with that, especially in the beginning of, I'm t- I'm saying that I'm an expert in this, and yet, you know, maybe I only have a few people that I can say, here's how I've helped them, right? Yep. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's a really key piece in all of this. Yeah. So, so part of what I heard you say in terms of the branding and, and being, getting through that vulnerability is kind of shifting your mindset away from every post is going to be a make it or break it. Every post, everyone has to clearly understand me. It sounds like you've let go of some of those stories. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've been doing this now for six years, so it's definitely been. In a profit in overnight, that's for sure. Another big piece from when you were talking about that the pyramid is the other thing that I really had to learn too. Is while I am my service and I am the brand, it doesn't define me and it's not my identity because it can be so hard when you are providing a service and you are the one that is. Is the brand, it can be hard to separate yourself from that too. And that took me a really long time as well, because that's where it felt so personal. Everything Mm -hmm. felt so personal. And I think that's part of the reason why not wanting to be misunderstood was a big piece of it too, because then they're misunderstanding not only me as a coach, but me as a person. And so there's so much that's tied into that. Um, And being able to, and again, this has been a process. <laughs> didn't mm-hmm. it? Didn't happen quickly. But being able to realize that if I if somebody unsubscribes from my email, it doesn't mean that they misunderstood me and I'm a bad coach. Or if somebody decides not to work with me, it it's taken a while to not in internalize that and take that as I did something wrong and being able to collect information and data to understand. And and you don't have the information or data when you first start out, right? right? So that's where it's, as you get deeper into running a business to be able to see, oh, okay, I see that there's potentially so many things happening. Like maybe this they weren't ready. Like my work is hard work. It's not easy work. Nice. It's not a quick fix. It does, it's not something that happens overnight. And so if somebody's not open, ready and willing to do the work and is not in a place where they are ready to do the deep emotional work, then my work isn't right for them. But it's taken me a long time to be able to get there without feeling like it's something to do with me.
0: I love that. And again, I really appreciate you sharing that story because again, I hear that over and over again, um, differentiating your value from your brand, right? Mm -hmm. For those very reasons. So I guess my last question on the business side of things, would you have a bit of advice for someone who is starting out um, what would you say to them and we're talking about these three things right We got to manage ourselves we got to learn our skill sets for whatever it is that we're either um, selling as a product or a service and we got to learn the business side. What piece of advice would you have
1: for other entrepreneurs? Don't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs> I like and to not to have some grace with yourself and knowing that, You don't know what you don't know. Um, And having somebody that you trust and somebody that you really... A coach of some sort that you can really um, tap into that can help guide you. And I found for me, I've always had some... Not always. I've had coaching throughout my, um, my business. Starting out with working with my health coach first on the Truth with Food stuff, which really helped me do that deep dive of like how I was showing up and how I was kind of getting in my own way in certain areas with like doing that emotional work. From there, I, have a, I also had a mentor that I worked with from a business perspective to help me get a lot of the systems in place, figuring out pricing. Figuring out my target market, figuring out my positioning, getting clear on that stuff. And then once I kind of got to a place where I had kind of outgrown the mentor, I got a business coach that helped me work even more on some mindset work, as well as systems and um, processes and things like that. And then from there, um, I've been working with a sales coach as well. So figuring out where is the biggest. Spot that you feel like would be helpful to have some level of support to help guide you through and figure out those gaps with what you where your expertise is and where you There's somebody else who has that expertise that can help you. And of course, this takes investment. Um, And so it's finding something that you're comfortable investing in that doesn't feel like it's going to be too big of a stretch as well, but will also give you the support that you need as you're working working through your business, basically. Yeah, that is really,
0: really excellent advice. I really appreciate you sharing that. So let's shift a little bit now from you and your business um, in terms of the setup and talk to me about your ideal client. Who are the people that you help and what is the problem that you help them with?
1: Yeah, my ideal client are... People who typically have a lot of information, they're a lot of, they're very similar to me (laughs) and the stuff that I went through, but they typically have a lot of information. So they know what to eat and they know what has gotten them success before in the past, but it hasn't always been sustainable. So they are frustrated. A lot of times they come to me feeling somewhat hopeless that things can change because. They've tried it before. They've also, they're so burnt out and tired from having to work at it or go on like a restrictive plan or working out a ton that they just don't feel like they can fit that in their lives right now. And there's a lot of resistance to like getting back to something like that. Um, And they just want to feel more comfortable and confident in their bodies and their own skin. So a lot of times they will come to me with the goal at some point to lose weight, but it's not their primary goal and it's not something that they're looking to accomplish immediately necessarily. Um, It is a lot more of really exploring their relationship with food and understanding why they have the desire, but they're not always able to stick with it and work towards it and why it is that they're feeling kind of hopeless that things can can change because it's usually something they've been dealing with for a really long time. And mm-hmm. they also feel isolated and alone in the struggles that they're experiencing too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the things that your clients, that you wish they knew that
1: they don't know now? That's a really great question. Um, I think the biggest thing is really that there's so much, there's so much more to eating and food in our bodies than we're taught to believe hmm. either like whether that's from uh, society, if it's diet culture, our parents, our friends, our religious institutions, like we're taught to believe a lot of things about ourselves, our body and food. And there's so much more to it. And There is a way to view things and like kind of to shift that, to shift that those ideas that we have of things and that that's how we can really shift our relationship with food and ourselves is when we really figure out what it is that's important to us and how do we want to define that versus being told that this is what we should do or what we should believe about certain things. So yeah, that would be. So give me an example
0: of maybe a common myth or a belief that we have been conditioned to believe, we don't even question it anymore, that really hold back your ideal client.
1: One of them is like the harder you work at things and the more effort you put in, the more results you'll get. And that is not just around food and diet, but that can show up like with our businesses, it can show up with exercise, but it also is like, if you think about, you know, there's that. And then there's also like, as a part of that, it's, if you follow things to a T, you'll get the results, but then that's very much the perfection all or nothing type of thinking that really holds people back too. Cause it's like, if you do keto, if you do a whole 30, if you do any of these plans, If you follow it to a T, you'll get results. But the second you fall off, you're failing. And that can be really challenging. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. And also, what is perfection? What does that look like? What does that mean for you? And that's where we're really wanting to define if somebody wants to do keto or paleo or a specific way of eating, and they have found that it works well for them in the past, what works well for them? So this is where we're really getting from like, how we're conditioned to operate and function to self-authoring to like, we're doing the picking and the choosing and figuring out what works best for us. So there's a, I think there's two things there, which is like striving for perfection because that's what we've been told we need to do as well as the harder we work, which is they're kind of tied together. The harder we work, the more results we'll get. But that also, there's no definition of what is working hard. What does that look like? What does that mean to us? How do we know if we are actually working hard? Because I used to feel that way too, is like, if I just put my mind to something, I'll be able to get the results. And then when you start, when you're not getting the results and you're not getting them fast enough, then that derails you because it's like, well, shoot, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm failing at it. And that's how we internalize it that we're not good enough. We're not doing enough.
0: You know, I, one of the things that I'm thinking about as you're describing this, um, there's a lot of focus on what are we doing? What is the diet that I'm using? What is the exercise that I'm doing? Um, in order to say, we look at our results and we go back to what have I done to create those results? But what I hear you say is that you're going to look a little bit deeper behind the doing. Mm-hmm. So a framework that I use with my clients is that our results um, are a result of, uh, like, let's say 1%, 1% to 5% strategy. The strategy that we're using to get our results is only 1% to 5% uh, responsible for those results. The rest of that 95% is a combination of the stories we're telling ourselves. And I hear you talking a lot about stories and the state those stories put us in. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at like a clock of 12 o'clock, Um, And our results are like at 11 o'clock. Let's go backwards. We have our results. Our results were saying, well, that it was a result of the strategies that we were doing. And that's, but, but the myth is that it's all the strategy. And the reality is the strategy is related to the stories that you're telling yourself and the state that those stories are putting you in. So Mm -hmm. our stories also contain here are the rules for what behaviors I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do and what those mean, those behaviors mean about me. Yep. So all of that to say is what I hear you saying is that in your case, you use food or weight um, more as a symptom, Mm -hmm. not the specific result, but as a symptom of what the story and the state is what's going on with story and state. So, if you can change story and state, that may or may not change your strategy, Um, but that's what's going to get you to the new results. Is that true?
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely that food and body, all of that, and our weight is definitely a symptom. And the stories are protective, right? So, like they have, they were created. To protect us. And a lot of times it's not just necessarily the stories we're telling ourselves because we don't even realize that some of these stories are controlling us still today because they've often come up from the past and they've served you really well. So where you're talking about that strategy, like there might be parts of your story that have made you that the strong person that you are, that some of that strategy is not going to change. And as we rewrite and self-author some of your story is there and like start to bridge to a new story are you able to get clearer and really ground into things that are much more aligned with you and your values and how you want to actually show up that will shift your strategy as yeah. well?
0: Right. Exactly. So tell me a little bit. Body image is rooted mm-hmm. in our stories. Tell me a little bit about how body image influences your clients as well.
1: Yeah. Body image can really have an influence because a lot of a lot of times how we're feeling when we feel like we're lacking control Or if we're feeling vulnerable, uncertain, those are times where, again, we're feeling some sense of lack of safety, whether that's physical, emotional, physiological. And that's a lot of times where we end up focusing on our bodies. And it took me a really long time to be able to see how it was all related, even though my health coach would tell me over and over again, like, oh, you're feeling a level of uncertainty or vulnerability. It probably took me about two years to be able to relate the two, because again, it For me, it was like when I felt like I wasn't lacking control in other areas of my life, that's when I would focus on my body. But I didn't realize it took me a while to realize that that was what was actually happening. So body image stuff can also be a symptom of something that's happening. And I think this is a good time to bring in this there's an unconscious cycle that we're often going through because we've talked about some aspects of it, but um, mm-hmm. like the story is a part of that. And when we're talking about body image and also if we're stress eating, emotionally eating, eating out of alignment with our goals in general, or even having body noise. So this can be where we are having some body image, um, thing, like negative self-talk or anything like that that is coming up. This unconscious cycle can often be what is leading to that. So it starts with a trigger. And there are four common triggers, which I've been talking about a little bit. They're feeling tired, anxious. With anxiety often comes uncertainty because we don't learn how to deal with uncertainty. So it shows up as anxiety in our bodies. Feeling inadequate or lonely. And with inadequacy, it can be feeling not good enough or not enough in certain areas. It doesn't mean that we feel like we're inadequate in all areas of our life. But if you think about your business, is there like one area that you feel like... Maybe you're not good enough. That could be a trigger for you. Okay. And then feeling lonely can also be feeling isolated or alone, even when we have a good support system. And if again with business, if you're an entrepreneur and the only entrepreneur in your circle, it can be feel it can feel really isolating and alone yeah. or lonely. Absolutely. From there, we have our that triggers our story, and okay. the story again was created earlier in our lives when we didn't have the full t- context of what was happening in a situation, so we internalized it and made it about us. And again, for me, mine was when I was bullied. That's when mine was created, which is if I feel misunderstood, then I could be rejected and end up alone and fail. From the story, we have a stress response. And just like with animals that go into fight, flight, or freeze mode, we go into accommodate, compete, and avoid mode when our belonging is at threat. And from those, we have behaviors, and the behaviors will vary based on the person and also the stress response they're in. But in general, the avoider is your traditional procrastinator. They're the ones that will build up their to-do list, fall into analysis paralysis to the point that they don't take action. Accommodators typically want to keep the peace. They're the ones that will do so much for everybody else, make sure everybody else is happy, so they their needs aren't met. So they often... Fall off of their own to-do lists. And then competitors aren't necessarily competitive people, but they will compare themselves to other people, whether that's their skill sets or bodies. They also compare their current version of themselves to a past version. And they often feel like they're racing against the clock. So they're running out of time. I was a huge competitor in my business where I would set idealistic expectations Um, so then I was always feeling behind, like I wasn't getting far enough ahead. So I couldn't stop working. I had to keep just pushing to take on more and do more so that I could hopefully get ahead, which never happens because where's the finish line. So that's a perfect example of a competitor. So we have the trigger, the story, the stress response behavior. We eat out of alignment with our goals, or we might focus on our bodies. We lose self-trust and then it loops back into the trigger so, a lot of times my clients will say that they feel like they're on a terrible merry go round that they can't get off of. Or it's a roller coaster, or they're just like, it's like a snowball that's like growing as it rolls downhill and they can't stop it. And it's because that they're often in that cycle. Okay. So, bring
0: that cycle, and, and I love it's a more defined cycle than the one I just described, and, and those um, triggers and the, the behaviors. Great descriptors. So bring this back to me now for body image. So, mm-hmm. for again, for your ideal client, um, what is it? How does body image play into their story and their results? Maybe, maybe it's like, how does their story of body image play into their results?
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like a double edged sword, right? Because it's when we think about that cycle. Somebody could look in the mirror and see their body where they might feel inadequate because they're, they've are they put on weight again or um, they're, they're just not where they want to be with their body, right? right? Which might trigger their story because if their story is something about not wanting to be exposed or seen as inadequate, because otherwise they'll be rejected, end up alone. I'm just making up a story here, sure. but it's sure. one that I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Then that story is triggered when they look in the mirror or just for some people, it's even getting dressed in the morning because thinking about having to go present themselves out into the world can be triggering. I was just on the phone the other day with somebody who was saying going down the aisle of a store can be triggering because they feel like they are taking up so much space. and If they have to move out of the way for somebody, then it actually brings up that competitor response because they're comparing to other people, but then having to move out of the way feels like it's obvious And this other person's judging them and is seeing that they're in a bigger body and that makes them feel inadequate as well. So it can, it's the meaning that they're making right of their body and where they are and also how, what that's triggering in them, um, mm. is what is, Happening throughout that cycle and for body image. And so in the work that we do, what we are working towards is rewriting and revising that story. And so to give you an example of one of my clients who has body image stuff that comes up, she feels like she's in a bigger body. She would be hiding in many areas of her life. So she didn't want to be exposed. So as a result of that, she would not go to the grocery store. She'd send her husband instead. She Mm -hmm. wouldn't, she would kind of like stay back, not eat in the um, cafeteria or in the staff room. She works in a school, wouldn't work in this, eat lunch in the staff room with everybody else and didn't want to go to social gatherings. And so she felt isolated and was also isolating herself as a result. What we, as she realized what her values are and what's really important to her, she realized that connection, collaboration, and community are really important to her. But she hasn't been having that over the last few years because of how she felt in her body and not wanting to be judged, seen as exposed. And what we've been working on is seeing that she can actually be safe and what it gets her when she does put herself out there? And is she actually exposed? So like really testing that to see what actually happens when you go to the grocery store. And what she found is that somebody actually handed her a cart and he was like, here you go. And she's like, oh, thank you. Like somebody actually did something kind. He wasn't actually judging me. She started signing up for ballroom dancing classes. She set some boundaries because she was accommodating because she wanted to be liked. At her job, she started setting boundaries and not just taking on things because she thought she had to. She's not just setting boundaries, but speaking up really for what she is important to her and what she needs. And as a result, her image of herself, like she's feeling more comfortable and confident in her body. Because as I said earlier, how we feel in our bodies is often a symptom. Of other things that are happening in our lives and she was feeling so out of control and out of choice in so many areas of her life That now that she's regaining some of that she's feeling more comfortable and confident in her body and in herself
0: i love that and i love that how you described her story and what she's doing with it um, what within our i'll say pop culture right there there seems to be in the last few years this um leaning towards accept, you know body acceptance right mm-hmm. beautiful at any size kind of thing and you know the Dove commercials and Lizzo um being really like big and proud and proud yeah. of it right so tell me a little bit about from a health perspective how does that social message either hinder or help your clients
1: I think it depends on the person. Um, I had this conversation with a new client a couple of weeks ago because they were saying, you know, I know that there's this body positivity movement, there's the health at every size, and there are aspects of it that are fantastic. And if somebody, she's like, I know that I should love my body, but the thought of getting there is so overwhelming because I'm so far from that right now. And I don't even know where to start, how to do that. And it's also on a spectrum or continuum, right? Of what is body positivity? What does body love mean to you? And often we don't have that context. Like people aren't talking about what is body positivity, right? It feels like it's an all or nothing. Right. what we were talking about is for me, I, ha- I don't love my body and I don't know if I ever will love my body, but I've also gotten to a place where it's really not important for me to love my body. It's that I feel comfortable in my body and that's, what's really important to me. Um, You know, people talk about feeling sexy. I have never felt sexy and I'm kind of okay with that. Like I've gotten to a place where it's just not that important for me to get there. Um, so. Um, There's the continuum. And so it can hinder people in a way where if they're feeling like they need to now be body positive and that no matter their size, like it can also trigger feeling inadequate in certain ways if they aren't there yet and feel like it's not, they don't, it it kind of creates this overwhelm of like, what do I do with this? How do I start? Where do I go with it? And it's a continuum though. And we want to make sure that figuring out what is important to you what what does health at every size look like for you? What does body positivity look like for you or, or loving yourself? What does that look like? Is that important? What is your end goal? Um, and so, again, it's really helping people to figure out what is it that they actually need and want in that area instead of thinking about what pop culture is telling us we should do or want or need.
0: Right. Again, that's going back to that self-authoring. Mm-hmm. And... um Kind of acknowledging that this is the message that that's out there, and then being discerning whether or not that's a message that aligns with your own values and who you want to be or who you want to become. Yep. because um, you know, any any of those kinds of messages can stop us from making our own progress for a variety of reasons. So being willing to be open to your own discernment, is this the right message for me? Or does this message apply to me?
1: Definitely. And discernment's a great word for everything that we're talking about is it's discerning, like, what do I want to choose and what's right for me? And as you do that more and more and really check in on like, what am I choosing here? That's when we start to feel more and more in control, whether that's around food, our business, our bodies, our weight. Because um, it can feel when we are so focused on what should I do instead of what I'm choosing to do, that's a lot of times where we're feeling like we're at a tug of war, and um, and we end up turning to food or not exercising or you know anything where we're not working in alignment with our goals because we aren't really clear on what it is that we want or need, and we're kind of working towards something like an external thing that's not actually fulfilling us. And so if you think of food as fulfillment, like it can be used as a way to fulfill us in a way in some capacity, right. Then um, the more that we have discernment and are really focused on what it is that we want to choose, then we don't need the food as much.
0: Okay. So before we wrap up here, what is it that you would say to a listener who may be struggling with some of these kinds of same issues? Uh, maybe they're ready to call someone like you. Maybe they're not. What would you say to them to help move them in the direction that, of health? Let's make that our, our goal. Well,
1: I guess direction of health of like, what does that even mean so to them? About, like, right. So starting yeah. there, what does health
0: mean to yeah. them? Who do they yeah. want to be in terms of being healthy?
1: And then also thinking about like, what type of support would be helpful for you based on where you are right now? Like, what is it? um, What is it that you need? What would be helpful for you? And thinking about too, if you want to start to do some of the work to figure out what is actually, because a lot of times we don't even know what is, happening or like what's triggering us. And that's where around food, especially that's where we think it's the food is the issue as opposed to it's the symptom of something else. Right. So if it helps to think about those triggers that I talked about, and I use the acronym TAIL, and thinking about whether you're feeling tired, anxious, inadequate, or lonely, and think about if there's places around your health, whether it's around food, body, even your business, if there's times where you're feeling like you're doing anything out of alignment with what your goal is. So it could even be with your business, like, are you avoiding taking action on doing something? Mm -hmm. Um, Are you feeling really burnt out from it? Um, Or are you kind of in an overdrive feeling like you have to take on more and do more? So that's like the symptoms in your business symptoms right. around food would be having mental gymnastics around food where you're overthinking a food choice, having some guilt and shame around it, feeling like I should, I must, or I have to eat something. Um, and then even with body, it could be any time where you're feeling like you're in a crisis mode around wanting to lose weight or feeling like, okay, what am I going to do next? That is going to get me back on track. Um, or with exercise, I know I'm throwing a lot of the symptoms out there. (laughs) Um, but with exercise, it could be building up, working out, avoiding working out, um, going to the gym and feeling like you, um, feel really bad leaving the gym, even like just emotionally feel drained from it. Those are all symptoms that that cycle is happening. And so one thing that you can do is to see if you can get some space and kind of plot out throughout the day, any time you've experienced one of those triggers. So feeling tired, anxious, inadequate, or lonely. And we don't want to necessarily look at the circumstance itself. We want it to be more of an inward reflection of what did this trigger in me? So anytime you felt any of those symptoms, what was triggered in me? So that gym example, I've heard from a lot of clients like, looking at themselves in the mirror while working out, comparing themselves to other people at the gym, feeling like they're taking up too much space in the gym or feeling like, who am I to use the weights when other people need them? So those are some common things I've heard from people. What does that trigger in you when something like that comes up? So I would say even starting there to see what's actually happening because having some clarity and awareness can really help to reduce some of the guilt and shame that we're experiencing and then also can give you the insight to think about, okay, what is it then that I really need and what do I want to get out of going my trips to the gym or what do I want to, what will help me take action in my business? So there's different ways that we can address that um, or that you can start to address it on your own as well. Yeah, it's, it's good. I think, especially when we're talking about, you
0: know, and you, you've, repeated several times, like this is major work. This isn't just changing your diet. This isn't just changing, you know, your schedule and, you know, your, your workout routine and those kinds of things. This is going into your own personal emotional stories. Um, And that, that is a lot of work. So you've, you've helped them kind of prepare for taking on that work. Now, can you give them a glimpse of what their life could be like once they get to the other side of these challenges?
1: Yeah, and it gives me goosebumps because I just think about a lot of my clients who have come out that other side. And um, I mean, I'll share, I guess I'll share two examples. One, um, I wrapped up a six month program with a client recently, and she was in tears at the end of it. And she was just saying how life changing the work was because it's not just, even though we're looking at Food and how we are around food. It obviously, from what we've been talking about today, really bleeds into so many different areas of our life. And so, I was just talking to somebody the other day too, of that a lot of people will ask me, What kind of results can I expect from the work that we do together? And it's hard for me to say because it really depends on the person. Some people make career tra- um, transitions, some people's relationships change, whether that's getting out of a relationship that's not a healthy one for them or improving their relationships and making them a lot stronger. Um, Like I said, with this one client who's been putting herself out there, reconnecting with people, connecting more with her husband, with her in-laws, her relationships are just improving in so many different areas, as well as her relationship with herself and food. So there's so many different areas and aspects that this can really bleed into, and it's So cool to see how it shows up for different people in different ways as well. Laura,
0: I'm really grateful and appreciative for the work that you're doing. Again, it's not just changing behaviors. We're changing the stories that people are operating from. And and I would agree with you. Life-changing is, um, it seems like an inadequate descriptor uh, about how powerful it really is.
1: Yeah, one of my clients said that she feels there's two quotes that she had said in her reflection form at the end of the program. One was that I feel a thousand percent better than I did when I started. And the other one was that this is a life change, has been a life changing process. And that's why I do this work because it's so, it's so fulfilling to see and hear how my clients transform. And a lot of times I feel like they come in feeling, like I said, really hopeless. And after the first session, they're starting to feel more hopeful, which is really fantastic. But then just seeing how they regain confidence throughout the work that we're doing and how I got off of a call this morning with a client who has taken a new job. And three months ago, she was saying that she needed to get out of her job, but the thought of looking for a new one was really overwhelming and she didn't think she could do it. And then the fact that she got two job offers and had to, to discern which one was going to be the right choice for her, like that is really exciting. And with her, like her food and health goals haven't shifted much, but we're also... This is still part of her health, right? Because her mental health has been having and has been taking, um, it's been impacted by her current job. So, her creating that space, figuring out what it is she needs, not just accommodating that job because she feels like she needs to stay there, finding one that is a better fit for her and her lifestyle is huge. And then we'll see where, what transforms from that. Exactly. Yes, you are definitely
0: changing lives. So tell um, our listeners where they can find you when they're ready to make this change. Yes,
1: yeah, so um, my website is laurabfolks.com and um, I offer free 40-minute curiosity calls. So if this is starting to resonate, but you're not really sure whether it's a good fit for you um, and how it applies to you in your life, feel free to schedule a call and we can talk through it. Um, and... Yeah, that's available on my website. Um, And also, if there's any specific questions that you have, you can always email me at laura at laurabfolks.com as well. And I'm on all the social channels and stuff, which I'm sure will all be in the show notes too. They absolutely will be. Yes. So all of these uh,
0: links and email um, addresses will be in the show description. So Laura, once again, thank you for the work that you're doing. And thank you for sharing that with us today. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on here to create the dialogue so that we can share it with more and more people too. Excellent. All right.
0: Take care. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes, but most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.